working family is the topic of this morning. And uh, you can see in this picture that this is a old, old store where probably many of us stopped by one day on our way to see somebody. Or maybe that was one of your ancestors' store. Who knows? Maybe for somebody that is watching is his store today. You never know. But we are going to start reading the scripture in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says, I remember your true faith. That kind of faith first belonged to your grandmother, Louis, and to your mother, Eunice. I know you now have that same faith. Those are the words from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. In the, in the second letter, he wrote to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5. True statement, because Paul knew Timothy very well. Paul was a witness of what, what was happening in that family. And I want to show you some personal pictures today, if you allow me. I would like to show you uh, this one taken in 1980. Here is the group of six kids. I am the one wearing a suit behind, and then next to me is my sister. You see my parents, Magnolia and Eduardo, and the other four kids there. That was in 1980, a long time ago. <laughs> These are the pictures of my grandmothers. Olympia, she was a school teacher. For 52 years, she taught three generations in the village where she lived. And then my other grandmother is my mom's mother, Lydia. She was a seamstress. You know, both of them were, were poor, but they were hardworking people. Today, we'll be celebrating Olympia's birthday, also Tracy's grandma, Mirth birthday. They were born the same day, September 13th. So wherever you are, grandmas, Olympia and Mirth, happy birthday to you. Well, there are some other pictures here. I want to see uh, one of my ancestors was Catherine Sita Jones. Huh? I'm uh. kidding. <laughs> but you see the resemblance in my mother is just like this actress. She was beautiful. Magnolia. In 19... 63, there was a multiple double wedding. Julia and Fito, my tío, my uncle, with my mother, Magnolia and Eduardo, got married the same day. The reason was they didn't have the money to have independent weddings. So they said, well, you know what? Let's join efforts. <laughs> you know, that happens sometimes in families. But in my life, there were several other influences. One of those was my teacher, Mario. Mario Guzman. He was my school teacher in elementary school. For many, many years, he was advancing with us from second grade to third grade, etc. And uh, you know what? He influenced several of us. On the screen, you have the picture of several of us. Christian, Yuri, Salvador, Victor, Jorge, Byron, Mauricio, and myself. My nickname was Vito. Now, as you can see, there is a plastic ball there. We all are wearing the shirt, the T-shirt you can see where the picture of Teacher Mario is. 
that t-shirt was made with the purpose of honoring teacher Mario. Okay? We all are the result of his life. What an influence, this teacher. But not just him. In my life, there was a very important influence from a pastor. His name is Jorge Lopez. He is the pastor of probably one of the biggest churches in Guatemala. At this point, the church, I believe they are near 14,000 members for over 40-something years of existence. And uh, when we went to Guatemala in 2019, Tracy and I have a great time with him and his wife, Elsie, and uh, that's the picture that we took in 2019. In, 12, in 2012, when I went to Guatemala, this is a picture of myself and my mother, Magnolia. And you can see in 2015, my dad, Eduardo. And uh, I, I show you these pictures because the topic of today is working family. And that is exactly what happened in my life. I saw that. I lived that. But eventually, the Lord blessed me with kids. And this is my second one, my Sebastian, he actually is our IT expert, and uh, I love working with him. We do projects together. He is a great uh, IT expert doing the website and uh, the audiobooks, many things, but we spend a lot of time together working together. It's, a, it's an honor for me to have my own son working together with the church, Sebastian. But also... I have a surprise for you. <laughs> Natalie, my daughter, is pregnant. That's a nice and this is a video. I want you to observe the baby is moving. Uh -huh. That's my grandson. Luca. Luca. <laughs> it is so interesting when you start to observe all these details in your family, you know, about what happened with your ancestors and what's going on with you and eventually what's happening with your children and then the ball keeps moving, correct? Baby Luca. This is what Paul said to Timothy. I remember your true faith. That kind of faith that it was in your grandma and your mother and you have that kind of faith. Yes, my friends. I want to show you this diagram because it's important that you think a little bit about your own family. As you know, you are the result of your parents, but your parents have parents. So you have four grandparents, and your grandparents also have parents. In total, you have eight great-grandparents. You are the result of all that network of people. You probably know some of the names, or you maybe don't. It is important to reflect about it, studying a little bit your ancestors, reflecting a little bit about what happened with your family, because that made you. You are the result of all those people. But of course, also you are the result of the experiences that you have when you went through the childhood, the teenager years, and your young adult life. That's you. 
That's who you are. <laughs> we said in the song about the Lord, but in reference to us, that's who you are. Do you know that from your ancestors you have several attributes, right? The most evident attributes are your physical attributes. Your height, your bone structure, a lot of hair or no hair, your eyes, the shape of your nose, of your head, right? And naturally, also other attributes like intellectual attributes. Abilities to create things, to understand things, to learn things. Mechanically inclined, for instance. Very organized. But there are other attributes like artistic attributes. And they come from your ancestors. If you have in your ancestors people that they were into art or music, that's in you. And some of you may be athletic. Maybe some of you have too much uh, uh, food in the last year, so maybe you have a lot of weight, and you are thinking, I'm, I'm not too athletic as I was, but it was there. Those attributes come from your ancestors. But I want you to understand that also, from your ancestors, you got strengths, like faith, for example. You probably don't think much about it, but it's possible that in your ancestors' line, there are individuals with great faith. They trust in God. They read the Bible. They believed in God. They have that faith. And you know what is coming and becoming more and more evident in your life? Or love, for example. In your line of ancestors, you will find people that are very loving. People that have a great devotion to the family. People that were absolutely honest. They just never wanted to lie or agree with anything that was indecent or immoral. Very honest people. Very responsible people. Perhaps your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, they show that kind of strength. Perhaps in your family you have individuals that were absolutely intelligent, outstanding intelligence, and you have heard the stories about their intelligence. Or maybe there are some that were brave and they show great courage. I want you to know that all those attributes in your ancestors are in you. They are in you. Maybe you are thinking, I don't see anything. <laughs> I wish I had some of that, but I don't see it. What happened? What happened? Well, probably you have not developed that, but it's part of yourself. Unfortunately, not all is good things. Also, in your ancestors, you will find some that they showed weaknesses. 
And that is the part that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to hear those stories, but it's the reality, my friends. In our ancestors, we can find probably people that they were very hateful. They never could forgive somebody. And they were so wrapped into that hate that they even disconnected from the rest of the family. And that probably is a weakness, is, is a weakness that is running in your self. Or laziness. It's possible that in your ancestors there is someone that was so lazy. And everybody always say that. Man, that person never wanted to work. <laughs> what about pride? Somebody that destroyed his life, his career, his family. All because of pride. That person never could accept and admit that was wrong. Pride was there all the time. Or maybe there is someone that was a cheater. Cheating the spouse all the time. New spouse and then again cheating on the new spouse. A new spouse and then again cheating on the new spouse. Or liars. Without us knowing it. It's possible that in our ancestors we have somebody that was a liar. <laughs> that kind of person that lied all the time. Or Maybe even somebody that was extremely selfish. Never cared for the rest. Once this person got what he wanted, he forgot about the rest. You see, when you think about yourself and your ancestors, you have to see the truth. There are many attributes, there are many strengths that you can have within yourself. Physical attributes, etc., Great things, but also weaknesses. And that is part of you. So here is you <laughs> and your spouse. So now you both come to the table, everyone bringing his own package. And that is where the thing becomes very interesting. Because suddenly... Now you create a family culture. You bring your stuff, she brings your stuff, and create a family culture. Precisely next Sunday, on September 20th, the service 208, I'm going to be talking about it. How to have a great family culture. I'm going to be talking about it next Sunday. But for today, I'm going to come back to the topic which is working family. A working family, and when we talk about working family and we remember our ancestors, not necessarily working family means it's a family that works hard. Working family also is simply a family that regardless what's going on, it works. The family works. In other words, it's rolling. They get along. They have a life. Somehow, it works. A working family. But when we are trying to make our family to work, we have to keep in mind that many things are part of what we inherited. Who we are, who our spouse is, and the family culture that we have in our homes. <laughs> then is when we think, 
Okay. Why there are so many problems in our home? Why do you think is that? It's precisely because one learned to do the bed this way, and the other learned to do it this other way. One learned to manage the clothes this way, and the other learned to manage the clothes this other way. One learned to eat this kind of food, and the other learned to eat this other kind of food. Both are different. In order, my friends, to have a working family, we need to understand our differences. It is extremely important to understand our differences. Because your spouse are not going to be thinking exactly the same things that you are thinking. If you live with family, whether it's mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter, whatever, if you have people living in your home because you rent rooms in your home or you are the one renting a room in a family's home, you know, there are many variables there. And we all need to learn to get along one another. But if you wonder why there are many, there are many problems in our homes, it's precisely for that reason. Because we all are different. We come from a different background. You know that you, you are raw material, correct? You are raw material. You are who you are, correct? But I want you to see that through a discipleship process, you can become a new you. But what is exactly a discipleship process? I want you to notice on the screen that discipleship process means that you need to add into your life biblical values. That is exactly what is going to make the difference in your life when you add those biblical values. The discipleship process, it takes time. Discipleship process is exactly learning to receive from God His way of thinking, His principles, embrace them in our hearts, learning with our minds, and apply them in our lives so we will become a new person. Discipleship process is a slow process. It's not that quick. It's not that simple. And many people get so frustrated with themselves because they say, I don't get it. I keep doing the same wrong things over and over again. I am reading the Bible. I am saying my prayers, but I, it seems like I don't change. It seems like I'm stuck. I'm exactly the same person that I've been for a while. But sometimes we feel that way. It's true for some people it's correct. Because they, they are not even at the beginning of the discipleship process. Because the discipleship process requires you as a disciple and somebody to be your mentor or teacher. Do you understand that? 
There is no way to go through a discipleship process without someone that is willing to learn and somebody willing to teach. Both elements must be there in the discipleship process. Now, for, for many people involved in church, they have, they have found very, very difficult to find someone that they can trust. I'm going to talk now to people watching or listening. Maybe that is your case. You have found extremely difficult to find a pastor that you can trust, that you can say, you know what, I would like to really start a training in my life. I would like to learn more about the scripture, and I want to learn those principles, those biblical values, so I can become a new me. Maybe you have felt that way for a long, long time. Well, I have news for you. Friends, I want you to know that when I was a church member, and I became a church member, I wanted that in my life. I wanted to really start a discipleship process because I wanted to learn the scripture but not just that, I wanted to become really effective in life. And I wanted to serve God. But I found through years that not all the pastors that I have were willing to teach me real things. You know what they wanted most of the time? They wanted me sitting there in the chair, bringing money to the church. Bye-bye, baby. That's what I found. And that frustrated me. I was so frustrated about it. I remember that in one occasion I spoke with one of the pastors about the problem that I was going through. And you will not believe his answer. His answer was, what do you think you should do? What do I think I should do? And I said, I have no idea. That's why I came to you. You tell me, what is what I can do? And then he says, well, you need to pray about it. I have prayed. Well, you need to read what the scripture says about that. I have. And still you don't have an answer? No, that's why I came to talk to you. Please guide me. Tell me what are my options. And he said, well, I think that we need to meet again. So... Unfortunately, I have another appointment, but we will talk, okay? Okay, I said. I understood what he said. I understood, basically, he said to me, it's none of my problem. It's your life, buddy. Good luck. How many people feel this way today in church? How many people feel this way in their church, those who watch or listen, I have no hope. I am in the midst of problems. I understand what you are explaining, and I get it. I need a discipleship process. But really, I have never found a pastor that is interested in myself that wants to invest time in me, training me to become a better me. I have the same problem. I lived it. But I search and search and search. And I really needed somebody. Well, then is when something amazing happened to me. I understood finally 
that they were already there were people that I already knew, including my own parents and other friends, that they were qualified to guide me in particular areas of my life. So it was a big revelation and I understood that there were mentors that were capable, smart enough to teach me certain things in certain areas and other mentors that were much more qualified in other areas. So with the pass of the years, I decided to rely on their skills, on their strength, on their intelligence in order to learn from them because I knew it. I needed a mentor. On the other hand, how can I expect that somebody is going to be that involved in my life and in my problems that I can just call any time and say, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? What can I do here? What can I do there? So I understood that I needed to respect certain boundaries with my mentors. And slowly, slowly, I found the solution. There are individuals around your life that they will play an, a, a very important part in your life as a mentor if you are willing to talk to them. And your job is to find out who is the mentor for which area. But in regards of your biblical understanding of things, obviously the pastor of your church, you, my friends, members of the church, you all have my phone number. You can call me anytime. You text me. We meet. We talk. I love meeting with each one of you, and you know that. I'm willing to invest my life with everybody because that's my calling. And you know that. I don't need to sell you that idea. But for those who are watching and you don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with your pastor, that is what you need to talk with him about. Because the Lord is going to give wisdom and understanding to any pastor that goes to him and says, Father, I have somebody here who wants to learn and I really don't know where to start. Because one thing is to know the Bible, another thing is to be able to explain the Bible. You know, I always have said this joke, that uh, some people have the ability to complicate everything that they just confuse the listener. And other people are so able to explain something so complex with simple words. Sometimes we have pastors that are very, very knowledgeable, but they have trouble to explain things in a simple way to us. And others are different. But the discipleship process, my friend, is what will help you to grow. You have challenges today. You see the problems you have. It's time for you to talk about it and say, okay, I, I want to jump into that arena. I want to discuss these things with you. Let's talk about it. What do you think I could do in this and this situation? What the Bible says about this particular problem? There's where we are. A working family is precisely that, my friends. You see? It's when everyone in the family is willing 
to work with each other. That's a working family. And that is what will make you happy. Because you don't want to be miserable in your own home. And how many believers are today miserable in their own home? And they want out. Thinking that outside, somewhere, is the solution for their problems. Where the problem is inside of each one of us. Do you know that the Lord wants you to see things like He does? To think like He does? To speak like He does? And to live like He does? The Lord wants that for you. Certainly, there is a very different perspective of life from God's angle that than from our own angle. And you agree with that. The Lord God is eternal. He is God. <laughs> Almighty. Nothing is impossible for Him. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Imagine His vision compared to our vision. We are here on this planet for several decades. Even up to a hundred years, let's say. Compared to all the eternity that He already possess in experience and wisdom. There is no comparison. His views of life are very different than our views. But he wants you to see things like he does. He wants you to learn to think the way that he thinks. Do you realize, my friend, that many of the problems you have is because you are not able to see and think properly? You are not able to process things from his perspective. And you are just looking at the problem from this very limited angle. So you cannot really think like he thinks. And that's why you are in trouble. But when we are going to the scripture and we start to read the principles and understand how God sees life and how he thinks Everything is going to change for us. Something as simple, my friends. Let me give you a simple example of trusting in Him. So today we face huge difficulties in the economy. Huge, tremendous problems for many families. The income is so little. People are starting to freak out at this point. What is going to happen with unemployment? What about the second check they are talking about? What are we going to do? People get nervous. But that's not new. No, it's not new because, you know, financial crises have, have been forever. Not just now in this century, but forever. Ups and downs in the economy, forever. But how the Lord sees things. What he thinks about those things. He says, I will provide for you. If you trust me, I will provide for you. So give me your fears. Give me your fears. This is the exchange the Lord wants. Come on, give me your fears. And you say, 
No, I don't want to. I like to be afraid. No, 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 that's wrong. No, no, no. Give me your fears. But, but why? Because if you give me your fears, I will give you faith. You need to exchange your fears with my faith. So you will trust in me. Everything is going to work out. You need to trust in me. One simple example that I'm giving you. How we see things, how we think, compared to how he sees things and how he thinks. But if we don't have the knowledge of the scripture, what the scripture says about everything, we won't be able to understand life. But when you start to see things like he sees things or think the way that he thinks, then what's the result? We will start speaking exactly as he speaks. The words that come out of our mouth are going to be exactly the same words he says. Peace. Joy. Rejoice. Trust. Rest. Relax. Enough problems for today. Tomorrow is going to be another day. He will provide. He is my rock. He is my refuge. He is my healer. He is in control. You see what I'm doing? I'm just quoting the scripture. When you learn to see things exactly as he thinks, as he sees things, when you learn to think the way that he thinks, you will start speaking exactly the kind of things that he says. And eventually, you will be able to have a life like he has, which is a life filled with what? <laughs> Anxiety? Is that God's character? No, it's the opposite. The Lord is not freaking out because of the elections. <laughs> the Lord is not freaking out because of the viruses or illnesses, or the weather, or the climate, Amen. of this and that. And he's, he's not freaking out. His character is simply the peace that he has all the time. Because he is the authority. So he lives in such a way that he exercises, executes his authority and everything is done according with his will. Eventually, when we learn to see things like he sees them, to think the way that he thinks, to speak the way that he speaks, then we will learn to live like he lives, which is filled with peace, tranquility, not being stressed out for anything. And we say, ultimately, he has a plan. His will be done. You see? And all that is done because he is going to share with us his experience, his knowledge, and his wisdom. That is what the Bible is all about. Experiences of the people of Israel, experiences of the, the church in the first years, knowledge through principles and wisdom to make sound decisions. That is the purpose of the scripture to show us the path 
But unfortunately, many people, they are not even in the first step of the discipleship process because they refuse to start reading the scripture. They refuse to even come to church. I'm glad for the ones that are here today. For each one of you guys, I'm very happy to see you here today. I'm very happy for those who are watching. That is great. But we need to start the discipleship process seriously to obtain and acquire all this, all this experience, knowledge, and wisdom. To end this message, I want to share with you five treasures from the scripture today. If you take these five treasures, <laughs> let me tell you, just apply these five treasures, the rest of your year is going to be absolutely different. I promise you this. Treasure number one. In Psalm 139.13, this is what the Lord says. We say to the Lord, you formed the way I think and feel. You put me together in my mother's womb. The first treasure is acknowledging that we are his creation. And there are particulars, particular attributes in yourself. He made you that way. You need to stop fighting against that. I wish that I was taller. I wish that I was skinnier. I wish I would be stronger. I wish I would be smarter. I wish I would be talented for these things. I wish. Stop that. Stop it. Stop it. You are who you are. The Lord made you in such a way since you were in your mother's womb. That's the way that he made you. You know, let me give you a simple, silly example. Simple example. Your hair. We all want to improve the way our hair looks, right? So ladies go to the hairstylist to change the color, to change the shape, and they invest a good time fixing their hairs and all that. All right. That's a good thing to do. And guys too. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. That's, that's okay. But imagine someone that for whatever reason, imagine this, his hair is going from the right side in a natural way, moves from the right side to the left side. It's the way that was made. And this particular person goes through treatments, injections, vitamins, all kind of equipment to put it from the left to the right. That's a big mistake. Do, do, do you see the silly example that I'm giving you? You know, when the Lord made somebody with the hair in such a way, it's the, he, the way that he made you. It's a silly example to show you that when you are fighting because you don't have this or you are not built this way or you don't know about these things, you know what? The Lord made you in such a way, instead of doing that, just go along with the way that you were made. Some people are very funny. Some people are serious. Some people are very mechanical-oriented. Some people are artistic-oriented. Some people are very creative. Other people are very tenacious and probably very strong in keeping schedule. Whatever is the way you are, my friend, secret number one, treasure number one. 
The way you are is the way the Lord made you. Stop fighting with that. We discussed the, the ancestors and all the things that come part of the package. We discussed that. We know there are issues with our childhood and teenager years and young adult experiences. We know that. But now when we are in Christ, it's a new creation. Discipleship process starts. First treasure. You are exactly the way that the Lord wanted you to be. That's who you are. And you need to see yourself as beautiful as the Lord sees you. He sees you beautiful. Now, when we go to the mirror, we don't see any beauty. We just see an old guy there, right? An old lady or whatever. We just see extra pounds here and less muscles there. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Well, but it's not the way that the Lord sees us. It's not what he sees in us. Treasure number one. Learn to accept yourself. And see yourself with, with gratitude. See the beauty in yourself. Treasure number two. Third John chapter two. I'm, I'm sorry. There is only one chapter in this, in this letter. It's chapter one and verse two. Listen to this carefully. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. So what is this verse telling us? What is the treasure number two here? This verse is telling us that many wonderful things are going to happen to us as long as our soul prospers. That is the key. We need to seek for improvement in our soul. Oh, we are willing to improve our credit score. We are willing to improve our strength at the gym. We are willing to improve on this and that, whatever thing, whatever. Vitamins, we take this, we take that, whatever, eating this, not eating that. We want to improve, but we are not improving our souls. We are improving other things in our lives. The prosperity of our souls have to do entirely with Looking at heaven more often, thinking of God more often, and appreciating the scripture in such a way that is vital for you every day, then is when your soul is going to prosper. Take your time constantly to reflect on the scripture. And I want to tell you something about it. Some people are very good to go daily to devotionals. They have books, they have videos, some people have audiobooks, some people read the Bible every day. It's okay, it's great, but everyone is different, remember. Other people, they can have a devotion just by reading one passage and reflect about that passage throughout the day. One verse, they take that verse, and they, like cows, you know, cows, cows, they chew the same thing constantly until they really digest. Some people can have a devotional that way. There is nothing wrong with that. 
So two people sit down and say, have you done your devotion today? Yes. How many chapters did you read? I read seven. And you? Uh, not even one. What? How many verses? Uh, just one. Just one? Oh, I read seven chapters. Okay. Who is better? It doesn't matter because your relationship with God is different because you are different. You are unique. The important is that you take the time to reflect on what you are reading. It's like those people that are watching videos from different preachers. It's okay. But there is no point of watching or reading or listening, my friends, if we are not reflecting on what we have heard. The prosperity of our souls. That is treasure number two. Treasure number three. Understanding there is a plan. And this is one of uh, many people's favorite scripture. Jeremiah 21, 11. Many of us have this scripture written in places in our home, in different banners, plates, cups, t-shirts, even in socks, I guess. <laughs> Everywhere. Because it's a very popular scripture. Now, what is the point of knowing that the Lord has plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future, if every single day you are worrying? <laughs> What's the point? You can print that thing in your garage or put it in your windshield in your car or having us in your screensaver in your phone, but it will not make any difference if you are worrying about the future. Treasure number three is remember that he has a plan for you. Trust in him. Just trust in him. He has a plan. As you grow in your faith and you trust in him and you play by ear every day. Treasure number three. Treasure number four. Deuteronomy chapter six and verse seven. This is what the Lord is telling parents. Be sure to teach my commandments to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road. Talk about them when you lay down and when you get up. So this treasure is about repetition. Repetition that will teach your children what the scripture says. Now, some of you need to repeat to yourself what the scripture is telling you today. So, if you have to revisit the scripture throughout the day, what was the scripture that I read this morning that was so cool? Okay, well, you are going to read them when you are sitting in your house or when you are walking on the road, when you are laying down or when you get up, reflect on that scripture. Repetition. Treasure number four is repetition. Repetition. You repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. I remember years ago, Tracy and I had so much fun 
with my own mistake, trying to pronounce the word Deuteronomy. Actually, I was filming a video with her, and I needed to read part of Deuteronomy. And friends, you have no idea how much trouble I have to learn to say the word Deuteronomy. It was very difficult for me to say that word in English. In Spanish, Deuteronomio. So when I wanted to say that word in English, I was... <laughs> but how in the world I learned to say that word, Deuteronomy, like I know probably 5,000 words in English, which is what you need to learn in order to speak another language. How do you learn something like that? What is treasure number four? Repetition. You repeat it, and you say it again, and again, and again. So I gave you already four treasures, correct? Mm -hmm. See the beauty in yourself, treasure number one. What is treasure number two? The prosperity of your soul, right? Treasure number three? Trust in him. He has a plan. Okay, treasure number four is Repetition, meaning what? You need to go back and revisit those three treasures and repeat them until you get it. Repeat, repeat, repeat. But for those who are raising children, this is very specific. How many times I have to tell you, little Johnny, that you need to wash your hands before you eat? Well, Mom, I'll tell you how many times. Forever. Little Johnny is not going to wash his hands automatically until finally he get it. Repetition. In fact, you know, when we are talking about parenting, there is a popular saying there. It's when the children, the child, say to the parent, says, Mom, Dad, I'm up to here. Listening to that thing. You know what that means, friends? This is a secret. When the child says to you, I'm up to here, that means that he is just like this to get it. <laughs> He's so close to get it. Same applies to you. Gian, you have said that all the time. How many times this year have you put Jeremiah 29:11? I am up to here. So that means you are just like this to get it. Trust in God. Repetition. Treasure number five. Four and five, finally. Number five. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Matthew 28, 20. Teach your disciples to obey everything I have told you to do. To what? To do. Teach your disciples to obey everything that I have told you to do. You can be sure that I will be with you always. I will continue with you until the end of time. Those are the, the words from the Lord Jesus to the apostles. Teach your disciples to obey everything that I have told you to do. To do. Many people... You disciples of the church, you followers online, 
can quote scripture. I applaud you very well. But this is not good enough. Dang it, I thought that was good. Of course it's good, it's better than nothing. But the point is not to say it. What's the point? It's to do it. Do what the scripture says. That is why here the Lord is talking to us, ministers saying, teach your disciples to obey everything I have told you to do. Okay, it's not what I think you should do. It's what the Lord says you should do. That's the big difference. So I'm going to enforce in the church and with you all to do what the Lord says you should do. That's my job. So treasure number five is don't get mad at your pastor when he is insisting on certain things in your life. Treasure number five, understand you have to do it. Not just understanding, not just saying it, but doing it. Get it done. Put your life to work and to do what you have learned. The Lord Jesus says we should do. So then, my friends, when the discipleship process starts to work in your life, then you will start to see big changes. The new you will show up. I told you, five treasures. If you apply these five treasures, the rest of your year is going to be absolutely different. But maybe someone is thinking, I wish that I would have heard that before in my life. I wish somebody would speak to me so openly about certain things like this. I don't even have a relationship with God today. Well, here is your opportunity. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 declares. Let's read it all together. If you openly say, Jesus is my Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from death, you will be saved. My friend, that's all that is required. Just receiving the gift of salvation. And that will change your life. If you want to give your life to the good Lord today, my friend, I invite you with all of my heart. Besides teaching to the church, the scripture, preaching to you, the good news of salvation is the most important things. Those are the most important two things I should do, to teach and to preach. So what if you join me today, giving your heart to the good Lord? Perhaps you want to say a prayer. The prayer is on the screen right now. Give your heart to the good Lord and repeat after me as you see on the screen. Dear God, I need your help. I don't want to be bad anymore. Not ever again. Please help me. I surrender to you. I open my heart to you, Lord. I confess my sins before you. I need you, Lord. Please forgive me. I need to change. I want to obey you and trust you and serve you forever, my Lord. Starting today, I want to see my life and people exactly as you do. Please help me, Lord. My friends, it's precisely on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ where everything begins.
Let's go to that cross, embrace the sacrificial death of our Lord, and say with me, I am forgiven and saved by faith in Jesus. Therefore, I can also declare, my life is going to be great and blessed this year, 2020. Dear friends, you are blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Receive the blessing of God. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Enjoy your family and friends, and I'll see you next week. Amen. Anytime a heart turns from darkness to light, anytime temptation comes and someone stands to fight, anytime somebody lives to serve and not be served, I know, I know, I know, I know. Please remember our fundraiser, $5,000, to buy new equipment to improve our broadcast. Thank you. Thank you for watching Victory Church. Please feel free to contact us. Our email address is info at vchurch.us and our phone number is 432-614-9798.